listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hey guys, today we have my friend Marshawn Evans Daniels on the podcast. You guys are going to be blessed. She is a mighty woman of God. She's a coach. She's an encourager. She's a discipler. And she doubles down on giving us some incredible wisdom that is going to leave you encouraged and inspired to be obedient right where you're at. We are here today with Marshawn Evans-Daniels, who I am so grateful to have met and to have sat under the teaching of, and I know you guys are going to be really grateful for this episode when you hear it as well, but hey, Marshawn, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. Such a joy. So hey, before we get going, here's a question off the bat I have for you. I have, again, like I said, had the huge privilege of sitting under your biblical teaching, but I would also say your coaching. And I'm curious if you had to pick a word to define your calling, to define what you do, would you call it coaching? What, what would you call it? You know, it's kind of that question. I'm wondering, I turned 40 this year and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. So I would, the word that comes to me that I've really been marinating in over the last several years and looking at this next decade is the word catalyst. Mm. I believe in being an igniter. And when I say I believe in it, it's almost understanding what is the natural DNA, the wiring of your life? What's the natural impact that your life is supposed to have, which I believe is the definition of purpose. Yeah. I don't believe that purpose is about a job or even necessarily a mission. I think that's what calling is about. The purpose is mm. how is your life naturally wired to move other people forward without effort and without polish, where it's a natural anointing and endowment. When I look back over my life, I've been a starter, not just in my life, but starting things in other people, seeing possibility. Yeah. I made business cards for my dad when I was nine years old, wow. <laughs> back before there was the internet. And I was drawing logos saying, Hey dad, you could do this. And Here's how your logo could look. Wow. And so today I look at it more so as being a catalyst in the spiritual dimension. It's kind of like midwifing and unlocking, mm -hmm. birthing things in people. Our company, we're kind of taking a shift in focus and as opposed to looking at things, especially with our corporate clients, is leadership development. I look at it more as catalyst development. How do we create a new generation of women who are courageous starters, who are igniters, who mm. start whatever vision, who step into whatever message their life is, and getting the belief system to believe bigger about who they are, why they matter, to go out and start stuff. Now, my husband would say that's partly because I'm not a great finisher. <laughs> but, <laughs> I would say more than anything I've been owning internally, and I appreciate the question because I don't think I've said it out loud, is being a catalyst in the lives of other women. Wow. I love that. So you also said something that frequent listeners of the podcast will resonate with. They will have heard me say, and that is midwifing, which is what I say. I, I, I believe God's called me to be a midwife of mission to come alongside women as they're pushing out what God's called them to. So I love that, but I love the, I love the specific bend on starting. That's incredible. So your book, Believe Bigger, 
came out in 2018. How did that calling play into the writing of the book? Or did you sort of find it in the midst of writing your book? Has it been more in business? I'm just curious on, on that. Sure. Well, I um, in 2010, I started into the world of professional business coaching. I had a, a, prof- a sports agency where I managed NFL and NBA players, and I had grown that. And I thought I was going to retire in that space. And then I found out six days before my wedding that my fiance at the time was cheating on me. And that kind of was a very rock bottom, devastating moment on so many levels, spiritually, emotionally, but also financially. And when I couldn't, for some reason I was struggling with why is it that I was able to sign the highest paid defensive end in NFL as my first client. I was 27 years old. And then after this happened, I was trying to go back and, you know, I needed to make revenue and nothing was working anymore. Mm. And so I heard God say, it's time to pause. It's time to sit. And I was like, but the, the, the mortgage company does not care, Lord, that I'm on a spiritual journey with you to heal my heart and find myself. (laughs) Yeah. But I did take that pause for about 10 months. And out of that came this desire to start working with women, which was foreign to me because I worked with pro athletes, NFL, NBA players. I had two brothers, eight male cousins. So the idea of working with women was very foreign to me and not what I wanted. And I think sometimes we think that purpose and destiny is about your passion and what you love and what you like. And that's looking in the rearview mirror because you're looking at what you've done to determine where you're going and what you love to determine what you're being led to do. And those are sometimes where we get thrown off. So when I kind of came out of that season, I started up, I I didn't really mean to get into coaching because I didn't know what it was. And I thought it was silly. I thought it was what people who didn't have anything else to do or didn't have real degrees just would become a coach. That was my mindset at the time. And I held an event called Me University, the Ultimate Business and Branding Bootcamp. I saw some guys hold a business event and I was like, I'm gonna charge what they charge. And I charged $1,500 a person. And after that event was over, it was two days, and I, re- I was sitting on my doorstep talking to my assistant, who's like my best friend, and I said, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit saying this is what we need to go deeper on and focus on, because I did this just as a Band-Aid solution just to make some quick income, because people were picking my brain. Mm-hmm. And so I, w- I thought, the thing I felt in my heart where God was calling me to work with women I held this event because I thought I wasn't good enough to do that God thing yet. Wow. And that thing that was just this temporary Band-Aid, give me some quick revenue, um, let me try this because I saw some other people doing it, grew to be the largest business coaching company for women of faith in the country Hmm. and really creating a space where women would learn that we can create high-end businesses that as believers, we don't have to live as paupers and beggars and just getting what is left over and that being a businesswoman is different than being in ministry in terms of thinking about how money works and discipling women over this last 10 years is not what I expected, not what I wanted. And I really feel like God tricked me into it. So to your question about the book, um, I learned so much about purpose, destiny, and calling where it wasn't just theory. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Bible says you shall know a tree by its fruit. When I looked at the women and men, but majority women who were coming through our programs, who were stretching themselves, investing in themselves, um, and the changes in their life that were spiritual in terms of a higher 
deeper relationship with God, which that took me some time to figure out how to blend faith and business together because that was not my mission. Mm -hmm. I held a Bible study online and I thought no one would show up and we like broke the conference lines. Mm. And that was the kind of way, that's why I say God tricked me into it. And as I started really, you know, I'm a believer in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Bible and I believe also in us being winners and being victorious mm. and not doing anything to play small. And as I started teaching what I call a Godfidence mindset of how do we operate with the mind of God at the level of, I wouldn't say excellence, but intentionality of how God wants us to show up in every area of our life. And that business is no more sacred than a call to ministry. If it's your assignment, all of them are equal and that our gifts are different. Some people may have the gift of prophecy and the gift of laying on of hands. And I had only heard about these traditional gifts and I've been saved since I was a toddler. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that income generation, messaging, and strategy were supernatural gifts. Yes. The Bible says in James 1 and 17 that every good and perfect gift is from above. Mm -hmm. I thought that as a business person, because most people in church had made me feel like that wasn't as spiritually significant as the stuff we were used to seeing. And so at our business events, they started out as just teaching business branding and marketing and then we've shifted our name from the university to the Godfidence Business School. The Holy Spirit was just showing out. We would have people from all these different religious beliefs coming from around the world. And when I say the Holy Spirit would break out at the events, we had people who were Hindu and different religions singing, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field. And we'd be, you know, we're laying hands on people yeah. when we're supposed to be doing brand makeovers. <laughs> right. And so the reason I wrote Believe Bigger was because people could look and see a successful business, but I believe that our mission, our purpose, our destiny really does not get started until you go through what I call a split rock moment in Believe mm -hmm. Bigger, which for me was that infidelity. Yeah. And there was a whole nother world of working with women that I was so blind to. I could have never put that in a mission statement of here's what my calling is, God, because and here's what I'm here for, because I didn't want any of this. Mm -hmm. And it was by going through and being broken and being still for a little bit that this stuff emerged. And what I learned is there's a belief system where we've got to believe in the unseen realm to see things that we've never seen that the Holy Spirit will reveal, mm -hmm. that we've got to believe in our gifts that are outside of what people have told us and even what we have mastered and what we have learned. And that We've also got to give ourselves permission to be anything and everything without limitation. And to me, that's what real purpose and destiny was. And I felt a lot of people talk about purpose very generically, and it's popular to talk about, but I really felt God say, you know what, you've been given a gift around making this simple. Yeah. And as evidenced by the fact that people's lives are changing, it's not just that you make some money in your business. Yeah. When your relationship with God gets better, when you stop drinking, when you leave that marriage because it's abusive or you find the right person because now you're operating in your destiny realm. All of that is purpose and destiny. And yeah. so that's what I wanted to write about is what does it mean to believe bigger in who you are, regardless of what you've been or what you think you're not. And what does it look like to step into what God really has for you? And it's not always pretty, but it is beautiful. Yeah. First of all, I, I, yes. Amen to all of that. I, I hope, I hope some women <laughs> get were, some oxygen on myself. <laughs> yes. I hope some women were taking notes, go back and listen to that. But there's a few things I want to capture from your specific story. 
-hmm. that I want to just highlight for women, because this is what I find that when women talk about stepping into whatever God has for them, when they talk about their mission, their purpose, using their gifts for the good of others and his glory, here are a few things that I believe so many women think is singular to them. The, the split rock moment, the extreme pain where so many women, so many of us are walking around saying this extreme pain is going to keep me from what God has for me. Mm-hmm. When for most of us, we find that purpose, we find that God calling, that God usually on the other side of some pain. I mean, oh yeah. For most women. And so, but we think that's only us. I think the women that that believe that pain is going to discount them or disqualify them, even if you're the one that caused the pain, you mm. know? Because then there's shame and guilt and right. I deserve this and I'd put myself. So in Believe Bigger, I walk through the five stages of divine reinvention. These are the five stages of purpose for every person on the planet. And I looked at every single Bible hero Mm -hmm. and I said, they each walk through these five as well. And the concept of the split rock moment came from Isaiah 48, 21, where it says, I led them through the desert. I led them to the desert. And then I split the rock and water gushed out. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm sitting here because I'm feeling guilty about being cheated on, even though it wasn't my Mm -hmm. fault, but I'm like, how did I end up here? I followed you, God, my whole life. I've Mm -hmm. known you. I've made all the right decisions. I kept my cookies in the cookie jar, meaning that I was holding on to my virginity until marriage. And this is my reward for all of this sacrifice of trying to be the right girl, the right Christian for my entire life. And, but when I read the scripture, I was fascinated with it. And I thought, does this mean you led me here, God, into this Mm -hmm. desert? Because it says he led them to the desert. And so even though, yeah, I made the choice of who I got engaged to, Mm -hmm. I had to recognize that there were some broken things in me that got me here. But if our life, if our steps are ordered, our stops are ordered. Right. And so the split rock is a really important thing, I think, for us to understand, because the other key piece is not just that something happens that breaks you open. Mm -hmm. I think we think God is trying to break us. And I don't believe that. I think he's trying to show us what's within us that can only happen through a breaking. And he weeps when we weep. He doesn't like us going through heartache and difficulty. And um, he weeps in those moments and he's with us, but he's also like the trainer that's saying, get up. You can do this. You can make it through. And it's in that, that's where the new life comes through. And that's what that water, when he says water gushed out, I was like, we're in the world, does massive reservoirs of water live inside of rock? And that's how, and I was like, okay, God, so you're saying, one, I have to be responsible for what I play and so that I can have personal growth and I can become wiser and discerning. But hard times represent an opportunity for new life to come through. And that's the purpose. That's what's the on the other side. And it's through these things that we find out what we're made of that we didn't even know we possessed. Right. Absolutely. The other things I want to capture from your story is that even after the hard time, even when you began to perceive some of the, some of God's calling and the Godfidence, you know, you talked about Mm -hmm. hosting that event and doing that, not, not necessarily like out of disobedience, but of fear of doing the actual thing he asked you to do. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to even capture for women. If you follow Marshawn, if you, if you don't, you need to, if you read her book, if you watch her ministry and you just think like, Oh, you know, that's different. She doesn't struggle with insecurity or (laughs) feelings of inadequacy. Like, no, you missed it. 
it's, it's not that you're not, it's not that you're immune to those feelings. It's that you had to answer them with some truth to move forward. Oh, that's the biggest thing. And that's one of the things I love that you teach that we met and heard each other at the same event. And, um, one of the things I think that's been confusing to women for generations is when we say the truth of who you are. And even when we say phrases like identity in Christ, Mm. well, no one really breaks that down. Yeah. Like, what does that really mean? And we have all of these phrases that we're used to saying to people that no one's really brave enough to say, I don't know what that means. And so when people say the truth, well, what I had to recognize is that what was not the truth was my accomplishments being the formation of my worthiness, my validation, my identity, my relevancy. Mm. But that's difficult in a world that celebrates success. Mm-hmm. And what I had to break, the split rock for me was not just about a breakup of a relationship. It was a breakup of a relationship with an outdated version of myself. There are things that will get you to a certain point in your life. Um, but it's that concept of what got you here won't get you there. And success may have gotten us up the mountain, but it's only significance and stepping into a sea of significance and a season of significance that will equip us to move mountains. And when we talk about wanting to be in alignment with what God has for us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received, there is a breakup that has to happen with yourself. And so I didn't know because of how much I was celebrated by church and celebrated by television and media and school and grades and job offers and, you know, being an overachiever. I didn't know that that was not the truth of who I was because it was real. I could touch it. I could feel it. I was good at these things, but I didn't understand that there was a greater love level. Right. And the truth is we're first and foremost loved by God that were necessary, regardless of what we ever do or don't do. And that status will never change. Mm. That is something I'm still learning because I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm an ambitious person. It's so in my DNA Mm -hmm. (laughs) that sometimes when things don't go the way I want, or when I have to pause and even when God asked me to write this book, I had just had an event that did almost $2 million in three days. Mm. And he said, I want you to pause and take a break. And I was like, I finally know what we're doing. I've worked all of this time. You want me to take a break to write a $25 book? And it was in that, that when he's asking me to stop, that's where he's saying, do you trust me? Yeah. Do do you understand that no matter what you do, Marshawn, without my covering my grace, it's not going to work anyway. But why is, why is it that you're anxious to have to do it to begin with? There's a love disconnect sometimes. Yeah. And it's a constant, constant going back to the well to fill up on it's okay to just be. Right. That's, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing, especially now with so many women going through an awakening. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm so glad you brought that up just now about him asking you to pause after success. Because earlier mm-hmm. you mentioned him asking you to pause before the success mm-hmm. in the midst of the pain, what I think is so interesting and really worth us pausing on is obedience is often hard when things look scary and obedience is often hard when things look great. Oh yeah. But just speak to a second about 
the abundance you experienced after that obedience, because I find that there are women who are, you know, financially struggling or have Mm -hmm. just really hard circumstances that they perceive God's calling them to some area of of obedience. Now this could be as small as I find women all the time telling me like, there's absolutely no way I can have a Sabbath. You don't understand. Mm. And I would say even Mm. that small obedience, that's hard when you don't have money. It's also hard when you're making a lot of money. Yeah, that's so good. Well, one of the things I I ask is, what do you do when God asks you to break a blessed thing? And that, for me, it was so many levels to have put in time and effort and energy and, I mean, building a foundation. I believe in getting better before you get bigger. Really developing skill set as a business person, but also as a strategist. I take what I call the work of life changing extremely seriously as an assignment. I think many of us are seeing it on social media and saying, oh, I can be a girl boss too. Yeah. And not understanding what's happening. This is not a movement, a girl's movement or a women's movement. This is a movement of God that happens to be happening through women. Yeah. And because we have not been taught the spiritual principles around success, wealth building, we're getting caught up in more of a generic worldview of what this means. And we're going to find ourselves empty in it. And so when he asked me to stop, I'm like, wait, but I, 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 I have, I have ministered to your people, God, the way you asked, I hired the people that you asked. I got this office that I prayed and fasted over and we have built out and you're asking me to stop. Mm -hmm. So I've got a payroll. Mm -hmm. I've got all of these things and you're asking me to pause and it doesn't make sense. What I didn't know, because I had just gotten married I didn't know I wasn't as healthy as I thought I was Mm because I'm a slender person. I didn't know that I had fibroids Mm -hmm. and that I didn't know that the stress of running at that level was creating challenges in my body around being able to conceive a child. Mm -hmm. I didn't know all of these things until I I stopped. I I didn't stop because I wanted to. I stopped out of obedience, but I stopped also out of trust. I said, you know what, God, every time you ask me to do this, I'm not saying this is great, God, let's go into the Sabbath adventure together because it feels like I'm losing a part of myself almost when he asks me to pause sometimes. And it's always a really inconvenient time. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a trust that I also have in the work that shows me why I also need the rest and I need the pause. Yeah. So I found out I wasn't as healthy. It gave me an opportunity also to just be married, you know, for Mm -hmm. us to, because my husband and I work together to, for us to learn ourselves and once, though, you enter into a real rest, no one could pay me to work. I mean, we had people who were registering for our programs. One of our mastermind programs, I remember, was like a $10,000 program. And we didn't know that order form was still up and the payment came through. And I was like, we got to send it back because I am on sabbatical. Yeah. And it take, when he says, come and get away with me and experience like what it means to feel the unforced rhythms of grace... When you step into it, it's almost like there's nothing more abundant than that. Right. And so I needed that. And it was in that space that I was able to write this book. And one thing about the financial thing that I learned about kingdom currency versus currency of the world is, and I, and I, I believe that our business is an assignment and to create a model of a real, what the real Proverbs 31 woman really embodies, including her financial and business success. Yeah. So I believe that our business is though it's not a ministry. I tell people you don't need to sow a seed. Um, I don't want to confuse those lines for people, Yeah. but this book 
didn't make as much money as an as, as as a large event that I had learned how to produce those kinds of things. But when I get the emails from women who say I was about to commit suicide and I didn't, yeah, or I I called my wedding off because I read your story and it was in the second chapter that I knew I couldn't go forward with this. Right. Or someone who said, you know, I've been feeling discontent in this relationship or, or someone who said, you know what, I, I started a business. I wrote my own book or I did this. It's a catalyst yeah. in the kingdom realm and you're sewing up eternal, mm-hmm. eternal rewards that we may never see on this side of earth and may never understand. And for an accomplisher, those things can sometimes be hard, especially when you talk to your agents and the publishers. And, you know, you think that everyone's in this for the ministry reason, but they want to see numbers. Mm -hmm. You're like, look, (laughs) I can only do as much as I can be as obedient as I can. And in the context of, you know, pursuing mission and the struggle with that sometimes is being in a place of surrender, doing things at a place of pure heart. You've got to be still sometimes. You really have to, if you're going to pour at a catalyst level of really opening things in other people, you've got to be still to do that. You can't be juggling everything at one time. But with that, you can't measure it by the same standards of things that may not be measurable here on earth. And that's something that I've learned and you, because you asked about the abundant seasons, you know, um, the one thing I would say for women who are looking to pursue a vision and a mission and bring in revenue for themselves, for their families, because when a woman makes money, she wants to improve her family first, her community, and she wants to give. And there's everything right with that. Mm-hmm. I think it is important that we bathe ourselves and we bathe our businesses and our vision in prayer. But beyond that, we have to move our feet. And the one thing, if I were to pinpoint anything that I've learned over the last 10 years of helping women of faith and really wanting to disciple them into a place of more prosperous living, because we should, if, if there's anybody who should have the wealth, it should be women who believe in God mm-hmm. and who love Jesus Christ. But what holds us back is we stop at prayer and we wait for God to do the rest and we don't invest in ourselves. And then we we do silly things, like we ask people to sponsor us, yeah. and that's not the language of business. And so you've got to become bilingual, not just in the spiritual dimension, but in the business realm. If you wanted, if I wanted to be a lawyer, I had to pay to go to law school. I could not pray and fast my way into being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. This is not a practical thing. For some reason, and I had this mind shift that I had to mature through as well, Because I felt when the God thing, when I felt the God calling to work with women, I was like, oh, I'm not good enough for that yet. I got to go to seminary. Mm. I got to do something. So I'll do something else in the interim. Whenever we get a God calling, we feel like, well, we've just got to wait for God to do it. God will bless us as we move our feet. And for me, I'm grateful that I grew up in church, but maybe not in ministry to the point where I didn't know until now working with believers that we have a lot of broken thinking that we're utilizing spiritual excuses that are keeping us stuck. Right. If we go and work for somebody else, we know we have to do certain things. If we go to McDonald's, we've got to pay to get a return, or we've got to pay to get that amazing hamburger that doesn't decompose, which is a whole nother topic. (laughs) But when it's our calling, and this is what I want every woman to hear, when it's our calling, we cannot defund the mission of Christ. Like, if it's your calling to go 
And whether you're creative and you make jewelry or you or you you have a, an anointing on your hands to make things that are visual, whether you are a strategist, whether whatever your whatever your gift is or your idea is, yeah, pray. But say, God, who are you sending me to give me skills? Who are you sending me and where are you sending me? Where can I go? Where can I invest in myself to get a return on investment? And Jesus talks so much about this in ways that I don't think we've been properly taught. And if we would do that, but also don't be so scared of things that are outside of your comfort zone, even financially. I'm not saying make irresponsible decisions, but it's it doesn't make sense to me to say, God, I want to be prosperous in my business, but I want to be a pauper when it comes to investing in myself. Amen. Huge disconnect. Amen. Huge disconnect. So and good. don't email your favorite influencers and ask them if they feel led to sponsor you. Mm. They don't. They started a business. Yeah. <laughs> and you, when you do that, you're opening way to say that's what you want to happen because there's a congruency. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things. This next book that I'm working on is about, and this is something that I would love prayer on, is, is about women and money and particularly how it, it really is a mirror for all the garbage that we have in our head and the things that we don't believe about ourselves and the way we have misapplied scripture to give us an exit route as opposed to it being the thing that causes us to go deeper in. Oh, I love that. Well, friends, I feel like we have absolutely gotten to just drink from a fire hose. I pray you're able to go back and listen to this episode a few times. I am confident that no matter where you're at, no matter what season you're in, God has some words for you in the words of my friend, Marshawn. I cannot wait for that book on women and money. That feels wildly important in this season. Let's do, just continue to pray for Marshawn as she writes that, as she works on it. Let's ask God to give her words, to give her favor, to give her all the insight that she needs. We are so thankful for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share all that with us. No, thank you. And Believe Bigger is available everywhere books are sold. Yes. Share it with a woman who is going through a difficult time. It's really for those who are in the middle of a split rock or going through a place looking for reinvention. Yes. And there's a free gift that I'd love to share with those who are listening. If you go to Marshawn.com, you click on the button, start here. There is a complimentary life class. And if some of these things have resonated well with you today, it's called Manifest Miracles. Mm. And I believe in, in believers taking back the word manifestation. It's not a universe thing. I believe that Jesus was here to teach us yeah. the mindset, the skill set of what we need to embody to be someone who produces miracles in our lives mm. and can work in, in step with the Holy Spirit. So there's a free life class for you there. And I'm so grateful to have this time with you, Jess. I believe so heavily in what you're doing. And it's just awesome to be on earth at the same time as you, yeah, my dear. It is. It is a really big gift to be in the kingdom when you are. I'm so grateful for you. So grateful for your words and your ministry. You're a blessing. Thank you. Blessings to you.